0: Testing, testing. It's on. One two one two. Microphone checker. Microphone wrecker. Microphone picker picker. <laughs> Alright, let's give this a shot. What is life? What does it mean to heal? I'm a human. Hello, hello? Anybody there? Why are we here? What does this mean? Let's figure it out together. This is the Turning of the Bones Podcast. What are we doing? That's fun. Just to come play, play in the podverse. Hello! Welcome to the Turning of the Bones Podcast. How are y'all doing? How's your day going? What's happening in your worlds? I am sitting here in Denver, Colorado, my little little bunker got my my candles lit. My incense is burning. I've, I've set the mood and the scene to try and record another podcast. I'm uh so happy to be doing this, to be following through on a commitment I set to myself. I hope hope you're enjoying these. I think I'm approaching Double digits in episodes. I think this might be episode six. We'll see. It might be one for the bank. I'm trying to uh, trying to get two into my recording time today. I have an agreement with my roommates. Uh, we're all still on quarantine until we're at the CDC recommended safety point to start seeing other vaccinated people. So on May seventeenth i will be getting to hug some people that i haven't hugged in a very long time and i am so excited about that Uh, get to do a little bit of traveling Uh, and so yeah i have this little agreement so i got my little bunker set up i have uh definitely got some makeshift soundproofing happening i got a couple pillows propped up behind the mic to reduce that background noise covering the vents with some pillows i've got my cloth drapes drawn uh, got a huge quilt over my door and i've requested of my roommates that i have two hours of silence in the house because they're hardwood floors here and this microphone i have picks up pretty much everything uh which is nice i I didn't know almost anything about sound recording until I sat down to start working on this podcast and I've learned a little bit, definitely not an expert, but it's definitely my intention here on the podcast to give you a pleasurable listening experience. I I work every morning. I do vocal exercises before I sit down in the shower when I'm after my, my morning workout, I hop in the shower and I, I read very clearly the ingredients and in the advertising on my facial soap, and I try to pronounce all of my words clearly so that by the time I sit down, I'm not too worried about it. I when I was in college, I mean, actually most of my life, because I, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was fairly young, uh, it was in the 80s, I was born in 1976 and I was in third grade, so I would say this is like mid-80s, 85, 86, uh, I was diagnosed with Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. Um, which now, what is it, 30, 40 years later, it seems to be pretty common. There's not like a taboo about it. But when I was young, uh, I was uh, <laughs> one of the first people in the area that I grew up in Ohio that was put on Ritalin, so much so that they wanted to do like a long-term case study on me. Uh, so when I was pretty young, I was, I was put on Ritalin. And that was a wild trip, you know, given a third grader speed um, to combat their their hyperactiveness is a a curious discovery for modern science. but uh my uh why was I saying that? so, yeah. So I was diagnosed with ADHD, but I also really struggled. And I think I had some undiagnosed uh, dyslexia and dysgraphia as I became a special education teacher. I was like, the more I, I read about different things that I might be seeing in my students, I was like, oh, I, I definitely experienced that. Like my, my eyes jump around on the page. I have a really hard time. Uh, when I look at a word, it doesn't move the letters, but my dyslexia makes it, my, my eyes jump around inside of a line um, and dysgraphia is when you have a hard time organizing. So I have like kind of a hybrid. Um, when I really focus, um, I can read a line of text. But it's taken years and years of work to get to the point where I I know how to read. Um, and I learned most of it when I went back and started teaching. Um, students with more severe forms of dyslexia, um, you know, different neural divergence, um, uh, developmentally delayed. Um, I, I learned a lot about myself inside of that process of becoming a teacher. I was really engaged with, you know, I wanted to help my students, so I was trying to understand them through understanding myself. And so with ADHD, um, a bit of dyslexia and dysgraphia, it it was really hard for me to read. It was really hard for me to... I never spoke in class unless it was to make a joke. Uh, I would frequently ask to use the bathroom because, you know, they had those horribly uncomfortable desks in the 80s. I mean, they've at least... The chairs are still awful in public schools. Um, the desks are small; they don't—they're not made for all bodies. Uh, they do have some yoga balls, but most teachers get annoyed because you know what? What do teenagers want to do with a yoga ball? They want to bounce it, and that's distracting. And so, uh, there's, we still have a long way to go in this country for educational seating. Uh, it sucks. I'm just gonna say that it is. It's not comfortable it's not conducive to focus or attention so when i was little i was stuck in these little chairs and if I, I couldn't read a line of text i i remember i think i also got diagnosed with a had a speech pathologist too i remember having to read stories into a tape recorder um i don't remember the other side of that where i was in school getting specific feedback i'm sure i had some of that but it was the 80s you know education the world was different in the 80s we weren't nearly as aware of neural divergence or you know special education in the 80s was definitely you know the handicapped kids by the boiler room uh they weren't taught in regular classes right they would at least in my school they they weren't in 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 mainstream. I just don't remember seeing them. They went to different parts of the building. They weren't. I don't remember seeing them at lunch in high school. I think was the first time some of them would be in classes. But uh, for the most part, we just kind of excuse the yawn. We kept narrowly divergent people separate, and so there wasn't a lot of knowledge about how to read. And, you know, after enough social shame from my peers or uh, starting to realize that I wasn't as good as other people at reading, I just quit doing it in class. Um, You know, I remember in college, I felt like in college, I had to teach myself how to read. I, I graduated high school with A grade point average of 1.7, which is basically like a D minus, like I average D's or close to failing grades most of my schooling. Um, And so I went to community college. I got a lot of help on my classes. I was able to get into a university. And I remember getting there and realizing, like, holy shit, I don't really know how to read. Like, at least not how these people are reading. You know, I ironically wound up getting relocated in the honors dorm, which was a really hilarious experience. Uh, You know, someone who, a punk rock skater who pretty much failed, almost didn't graduate from high school, winding up living with Ohio State's, you know, the best of the best freshman class that was... That was a funny experience and ripe for tons of stories, but uh, it's it's wild to me that I am now comfortably speaking into a microphone, having had received speech pathology services, having uh, been diagnosed and medicated for ADHD, having. Dyslexia and dysgraphia to varying degrees. It blows me away that I'm reading shampoo bottles out loud to try to pronounce words correctly. And the work that I did as a literacy specialist in Denver Public Schools really taught me to slow down. And who would have thought that would prep me for this podcast? This podcast is... It's a really fun experiment for me. I I hope that it leads somewhere, somewhere fun. But it's the last thing I would have ever imagined myself doing. And here I find myself really enjoying reading lots of text to prep for this, trying to take in lots of information. And every little thing I do is kind of a... It's kind of a fuck you to a lot of my teachers from my childhood honestly and it feels good uh i think i don't have as large of a antagonistic punk rock spirit i still do have a bit of a punk queer skater in me well no i totally do absolutely uh like to see a lot of the systems of power torn all the way down and rebuilt from the bottom up because you know football and popularity and what society and commercials tell me to do has never really been my gig never really been my cup of tea as it were Um, so yeah that's definitely still operating but I don't I don't imagine that a lot of my teachers would have predicted that I would be doing a low-level intellectual pursuit, uh, talking about different modalities of healing, therapy, talking about literature, talking about society. will see where this podcast goes, but you know I'm really, I'm well-versed. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm adequately versed in a lot of things, I think. I have a lot of curiosities, and that. that led me to wanting to talk about them into a microphone and hopefully someday having guests on to talk to them, talking to experts. Um, so for anybody who's been judged out there, labeled by public education, I'm going to offer my sincerest apologies from the teachers that did care. Uh, It's not all of us. I think a lot of teachers get into it for a good reason. The system burns us out and, you know, it's easy to become bitter. Uh, That's a whole topic for a whole different podcast. But I'm proud of myself today and I hope you are too. I hope you can find something in your day that you're proud of yourself about because I really developed a, a high level of perseverance by just failing so fucking thoroughly time and time again in front of other people I remember I used to sit in class and just be absolutely frozen just gripped with panic and terror that I was going to get called on that I was going to have to say what I thought about something Because I couldn't pay attention to it. Uh, I probably didn't read the assignment. Uh, I also had the interesting experience of getting the point and then feeling like I didn't need to do the work. Uh, Which is a whole interesting psychology there where I also have an extremely high processing speed in my brain. So I process information really quick. So my brain is moving extraordinarily quickly. So sometimes I would like already get it. And get really bored Um, but just suffice it to say I was one of those people that public education just didn't work for and I don't, having gone back, I don't think it works for most of us. I think that it's really set up to train good little capitalists to go be producers Um, a big part of why I left public education is we were still testing and doing things and trying to Give students, and especially, uh, you know, quote unquote, at-risk students or students in marginalized communities, we're trying to give them knowledge and skills for jobs that don't exist anymore. We're trying to give them trainings for a world that we frankly don't live in anymore. You know, I don't know how much you all know about this, but modern education was kind of created so that you could move from town to town and have a basic level of education that was transferable you had a a basic understanding so it started with like reading and basic arithmetic for commerce or you know all kinds of jobs require that working on farms uh working in banking or being a merchant uh, you need to have some basic arithmetic and literacy skills so a long time ago this is European they it was so that people could move around and then with the industrial revolution it was kind of this production line uh, you needed to train students to be ready for and this is all my opinion this isn't Factually based, this is, these are my observations from being in school and having been a student and living in this body. um, That, then we had the industrial, people have written about these parts. Then we had the industrial revolution and we were kind of getting people ready to be able to work in the factory, you know, after child labor laws came into effect. Uh, We needed a place for children to go, created, uh, Work, um, and equitable work at that, but it created work um, inside of the schools for teachers. Children were able to be trained how to do certain kinds of jobs. If you excelled in certain areas, you would probably go on to be for more successful. But for the most part, it was based off of this industrial model of production and. Now, in this country, that we're still running the same class schedules, but we have no clue what the jobs are going to look like. Almost nobody I know during this pandemic, or who's employed or working from home, actually works the way that a school day trains you to work. Like, to me, it's just, it's honestly just cruel and unusual punishment to put kids through. You know, a six or eight hour day of sitting in a chair, taking in information, regurgitating information. I don't care how clever teachers get about different ways to do it. I still think it's really, it's not how almost anybody learns. I think there's a small percentage of people who really excel inside of that system. And, and for them and for whatever jobs you get, I'm, I'm not hating good for you congratulations I'm so happy that that that's working out for you Um, but I don't think it's it I ended up quitting teaching because it just doesn't feel real to me like no job that I've ever had besides teaching follows a schedule like that you know when I was working construction we would work on a project and so sometimes that project required us to focus say it was putting on a roof before it rained well sometimes that project would require me to focus for six hours straight or eight hours or um, you know take small breaks to sit down because we just carried half a stack of plywood um, and then get going again and then do some math and then do cuts but no job i've ever had followed this like intense schedule of like i would say containment really you know uh I'm under the opinion that most of what school does is prepare us to self-monitor and self-police our own behavior because we feel like we always have uh, a prison guard watching over us the teachers become the prison guards Um, and I think it also teaches us to be absolutely terrified of failure One hundred percent. If you can't do this, then you're not going to get a job. I can't tell you how many conversations I had with teenagers that were like honestly thought, you know, they had this deep fear that had been instilled in them. If they don't do a high school diploma, they're not going to survive. And having gotten out of school and lived a pretty damn full life, I would say, like I've met people who didn't graduate high school who are super successful. I've met artists, I've met construction workers, I've met very smart, intelligent people whose school didn't work for, who went on to survive just fine. I have a friend who told his parents when he was in fourth grade, he's like, I'm done with school, and his dad was like, okay, that's fine, you just have to work. And so that person is one of, I've, they've worked every day, I've never seen someone, I mean, I'm sure, they do, he doesn't always like work. Nobody does. But, like, he works consistently. He takes care of his family. He owns, like, three houses in Boulder County, which is one of the richest cities and counties, not in Colorado, but, like, it's like this little mountain tech town. And he did that with a fourth-grade education. And so we tell these kids, you know, and I took a lot of this in, too, like, you're going to fail. If you told me I'd be doing this 20, 30, 40 years ago, I'd told you, what? Like, There's no way I would go to college or get a master's or uh, teach in a high school. Why would they let me teach kids? Like, I need help. This has been a really long ramble about being able to read a a shampoo bottle out loud. Um, As I was reading the shampoo bottle this morning, a lot of this came back to me. I was like, it's really hard to read out loud. It's really hard to talk into a mic. When I was in college, I remember (laughs) it got worse. So... (laughs) It actually got worse when I got in college. My panic about, you know, being, being called out or being seen as a fraud or a failure. Like, I don't deserve to be in this, you know, whatever, third-level Shakespeare class, which wasn't true. Like, I could understand all of the concepts when I would talk about it, when somebody else read it, when I had help, you know, understanding the language of Elizabethan uh, literature. I started to get the jokes. I started to understand what Shakespeare was doing in some of the plays socially and politically. And I could get that. But if I had to read it, it was a whole different story. Like I needed both, you know, I I needed help with both. And so I remember we would read sections of... Shakespeare and one of my favorite professors' classes, uh, Professor Franz from Ohio State. If you ever hear this, Professor Franz, I don't know if you're still alive and kicking. Thank you, you were you were awesome, uh, Professor Franz. And I did some independent studies on William Faulkner, uh, studied Shakespeare, uh, some modern literature, and just the conversations I had with him about. Life and the world and history and literature and writing like they really shaped who I am as a human Uh, so thanks Professor Franz haven't thought about you in quite a while Uh, but if I'd be in his class and I remember during like it was like the second or third level Shakespeare class where we like really got into it We'd we'd take turns reading certain passages and he would, you know, do what's called popcorn, which is just kind of randomly call on people to read. And I would just sit there and like the whole fucking time, like the I would sweat so bad and be so nervous that the back, I'd just be sitting in the chair and the back of my knees would be sweating my palms would be sweating my heart rate would be up my shallow breath and there's one thing you can't do in this world if you're your heart's beating fast and you have really short breath and you're having like a bit of a existential panic attack is you cannot read Shakespeare out loud in a room full of like 40 of your peers. At least I couldn't. I mean, maybe some people would would rise to the challenge of that level of stress, but not, not me. Nope, 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 nope. I would just panic. There would be times where I would just stop in the middle of a sentence And, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) looking back on it, it's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing I didn't run away, you know? Like, the fact that I, like, somehow sat that through, and I, I can't really remember clearly. I mean, college in America is, you know, for me was, like, a huge personal freak out you know I I was freaking out with the amount of freedom I all of a sudden found myself with I was freaking out with uh the amount of pressure I was all of a sudden under uh the amount of responsibility you know uh so I can't I can't really remember how that played out but I do remember losing my mind in anticipation of Professor Franz calling on me to read Shakespeare and he knew it like looking back on it you know a 55 year old person who you know kind of took me under his wing and let me do independent studies with him like you know it's like those other great teachers I had a a one in high school Mr. McDougall who, who understood that he understood that I got it he just understood that I didn't get it the way that other people got it um those teachers are really rare and they're not rare because um they're not out there the system just chews them up you know uh these degree factories these uh yeah just the demands that are placed on teachers it's not their personal fault it's a system system wide failure um but those teachers are just great you know those ones that like somehow helped us through and so All that to say, I successfully read an entire shampoo bottle out loud to myself in the shower getting ready for this podcast. And I love it. I love the whole process of doing this. It's really, it's really fun for me. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope that these make you feel a little bit less alone. They make you... Yeah, just give you something to think about. Give you a little break from your day. Give you a little break from the, the minutia. Um, capitalism's tough. Bureaucracies are tough. All these systems of oppression, educational systems, they're, they're tough. And if you're out there listening to this, you're either surviving it or have survived it, found some kind of peace, and I hope, hope this lets you know that you're not alone. Um, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I would, I would definitely venture to say that a lot of us, especially in America, have some sort of educational trauma, you know, whether it was, we got socially embarrassed inside of a school, uh, we you know, failed, we didn't live up to our parents' expectations, I mean, there's a million reasons uh, you experienced, you know, violence or oppression, um, racism, I know, you know, the amount of racism in my high school was just insane, Um, and so, if you survived that, good for you, you know, if you're listening to this, and this just makes you feel a little bit less alone, I really feel like... The more that I taught in high schools, the more I realized that, like we all need special ed teachers, you know, we all need, you know, a Mr. McDougall or a Professor Franz. We need uh, Rita Peterson does a really great TED Talk on this. Hats off to her, um, really powerful Black educator, and she she has a really great TED Talk called "Every Child Needs a Champion." Um, And I I love that. I unfortunately didn't hear it while I was teaching. I heard it when I was doing some research for something I was writing. Um, But I think, you know, my version of that, you know, before I heard it, I was like, oh, everybody needs a special ed teacher. Like the same way everybody needs a therapist. Like we all have gaps in our understanding, we all have gaps in our ability to process information. We're incredibly diverse. Like I have no clue how other people's brains work. I <laughs> I get really overwhelmed when I have too much information. I like to make my decisions fairly quickly. And I I, for the longest time in my life, I just thought that's how all brains work. But then I was like, I started learning. I'm like, oh, I have an extraordinarily quick processing speed. That's not good or bad. That could be praised, right? Like the way this country praises, you know, faster is better, quicker, you know. Look at how we buy things online now. No one can stand to like take a month to shop at like eight different stores for the thing they actually want you want to do it in 30 minutes online and you want to have it within the week or within two days like we have a we overly value in this country speed so like my processing speed could be an asset sometimes it's it's overwhelming sometimes i'm flooded with information but like i thought for the longest time like or wait i'll say this I continue to struggle when other people need more information. You know, it could be my personality, it could be my my unique brain, but I I like to make decisions fairly quick. And if I if I fuck up or if I fail, I'll learn that later. I I learn by doing. I don't learn by thinking. But that's not how everybody works. And so we're like. There are billions of us and we each have a different brain and schools try to have us have one kind of brain and I just don't like that. I don't think it's fair. Doesn't feel like doesn't feel like it's in alignment with reality. Doesn't feel like it's real. So hats off to those good teachers. You know, we all we all need like Rita Peterson said, we all need a champion. And I think we all need a special education teacher and a therapist. Uh, someone to just kind of help us get to know our own brain, right? Because our brains have to do a lot. Uh, we, re- we really rely on them for quite a bit. Um, and this could be how my brain's different. I enjoy getting to know the user's manual but I don't like reading it if that makes any sense um it's like my truck you know I'll I'll read the user's manual when something goes wrong and my brain's kind of the same way it's like oh if I'm feeling a certain way I'll do some google research um but I learn by doing you know not everybody does learns that way um and so yeah I really think we could all use a special education teacher you know because in high school, and the ones that I worked in, the special education teachers didn't just help the students, they helped the other teachers help the students. So they were helping the teachers see where they were setting goals too high, um, where they weren't setting reasonable goals. Like if a student's shutting down, it's. I don't think too many of us inherently want to <clears throat> fail repeatedly, right? Like, not succeed or not grow. I'll say this a different way. It's natural and in nature things crave growth. And those, those happen in cycles, they happen in cycles in nature, but I think it's the it's the natural order of things for things to want to grow. So I would say that students and humans want to grow. And at the age where their brain is growing and they're still developing a frontal lobe, very few high school students want to fail across the board um, they want to have small successes that lead to accomplishment and it gives them a sense of self-worth it gives them uh, a, a sense of control and autonomy over their own life uh, which is hugely important for all of us and so like special education teachers would help teachers grown-ass adults who know the information figure out where they were skipping over stuff that they took for granted that a child wouldn't know. But they know because they're 40, 50, and they they would take things for granted. And so, yeah, we all need a special education teacher. Shampoo bottles and special education teachers, I think that'll be the topic of this episode. Um, I hope each one of you had a teacher like that. Maybe let them know. Uh, I just got a message from one of my former students and this is somebody I absolutely adored. Um, And she, uh, I think she's 25 now. She's married, has a job. Um, I met her when she was 14. Uh, She's just kinda hanging out outside my class one day Um, i didn't have her as a student um i had really small groups uh was a literacy specialist and uh, the tests had deemed that this human uh maria could could read well enough um to not be in my class but uh I had helped some of her friends and family members and she I, she knew about me somehow and one day like I saw her outside my class and we just started talking when she was a freshman and uh, over the years she just kind of come check in with me. <clears throat> um, I was helping her cousin. She'd come check in on her cousin. She's just a real badass. You know, someone who was probably had more responsibility than she needed at a way younger age but just emotionally mature like she'd probably been raising her cousins um, and she was awesome and i ended up actually having her uh in a, i switched programs and she joined that program later um and i got to to work with her a lot on life lessons i had a small room and i would help students on assignments uh helped special education students but basically this program i was working in was like a small credit recovery thing where people were trying the students were trying to make up credits and i would I would have her in and we'd talk about life and help her on her paper. Um, We'd play music. We'd dance. Like, just a really, like, she just, like, lit up the room. She'd get the other students involved. Like, she was great. Um, And recently, you know, one of the benefits, recently she reached out to me on social media. Uh, she hadn't been on for a long time. She's like one of those cool kids who was like, I totally get it. Um, probably would have gotten along if we were in high school at the same time. Like, didn't want to do what other people were doing, so she didn't have social media, but she got one and uh, reached out and just said, Hey, how you been? Oh, it's great, you're married, and da, da 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 da. And she sent me this really lovely note. Um, and the note was like, Basically, the note said, I'm going to pull it up here now that I'm thinking about it. And just I'm just going to read it to you straight from straight from the phone. You taught me so much, mister, and I'm grateful. I look at our videos all the time. High school was hard for me, but you made it easier. God bless you immensely for everything you did for me. Best teacher I ever had. <laughs> yeah, so like just getting that note like my heart reading it to y'all sharing it with y'all like my heart feels so full uh I feel like my life has had a little bit of meaning uh so yeah if you have time maybe let one of those teachers one of those people one of those champions you had let your therapist know uh let somebody who who is working to help you know how much it meant um and if that's scary for you, don't sweat it. You'll do it when you're ready, but uh, it means a lot. I hope that uh, this rambling podcast finds you well today. This is a listener-supported, crowdfunded podcast. Uh, I depend on the support of my listeners. I'm going to try to keep doing this so that can't tell me what not to talk about you know don't want to get a sponsor that's like don't talk bad about public education and I'm like listen it's broken I want to be able to talk about what I want to talk about and I think that's important have the conversations that we need to have so if you're getting something from this podcast please go over to my Patreon page donate whatever you can Uh, this is Is I spend a lot of time on this every week and I'm hoping to get paid for it I put a lot of work into it a lot of effort, a lot of emotion a lot of intellectual energy uh, a lot of creative energy and I really care about it trying to make this a pleasurable experience for y'all to come have a break and yeah if you can, donate five bucks a month Uh, help me help other people who who can't afford, keep listening, get something from the podcast, like Blind Boy says, it's a model based on soundness, uh, which I love, I love that literally making some sound here, so let's do something sound, uh, sending my voice out into the podverse, yeah, head over to my Patreon, www.patreon.com slash bones go over to my website the links are all there their blog posts there you can check out some of my writing and yeah please please donate through patreon uh you can also dm me turning of the bones on instagram turning of the bones on facebook recommend this podcast to a friend uh any of that is so appreciated uh i appreciate all of my patrons all of my listeners thank you so much for tuning in thank you so much for taking the time and I I look forward to building this community having some guests on being able to compensate them for their time if I can get some some money coming in yeah so blessings you beautiful 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 beings you lovely lambs you perfect pilgrims I hope you have a really glorious day and I hope that I hope that you can just take a minute and think about someone who helped you get here and I hope that somebody lets you know that you helped them Uh, if you're listening to this podcast you're helping me Uh, small enough at this point that I can say that I probably know every one of you and all of your love and support means the world to me so Thank you so much. I'm going to keep doing this, keep putting these out every Friday. Love to you all. Be well. The Bye now.